When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right. Welcome to Out of the Blue for Amazing Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, the podcast that is probably more digestible than horse dewormer. I am Jared Stormer of MazingBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy, you minister of culture and bridge between both Polish and American culture. How are you, my friend? Brother, I could not be any better. I'm very excited for this week. Game week for the first time in forever. There's going to be fans in the stands. I mean, what's better than this? Very little is better than this. And you're headed overseas to uh, to the motherland. I am. I am headed to Poland at the end of this week. I'll be supporting Michigan this weekend from Warsaw. I'll be off the pod next week. You might be solo in one. But I will be back after the Washington game. I'll be also not missing that. Still catching it in the airport. And uh, yeah, man, I've been looking forward to spread some Michigan culture around the world. Yeah, I expect to see vines, pictures, TikToks, whatever it may be, of you spreading the gospel of Michigan over in Warsaw, Poland. It's more or less going to be me in handcuffs screaming at some, like, you know, just middle-aged man that doesn't speak English. Like, how do you not understand the, the importance of throwing the Blake Corum out of the backfield? <laughs> you don't get this? Man doesn't even it. speak English. No, he's going to be looking at me like, uh, man, Chesna, Jobiec. And I'm be like, dude, you don't understand. You don't get he has it. to throw him the ball. <laughs> you don't get it. You can't run on first down at this point in the game. Do you know who Warren Sharp is? No, you don't because you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm excited too. Uh, I will admit that up until up until this podcast, my excitement level it was it was just tough for me to get there. But I'm getting there now. Watching fans be in the stands, and I mean it was an absolute trash bowl between Illinois and Nebraska. But nonetheless, fans in the stands and just seeing that atmosphere, hearing the pads crunching, I'm there. I- I'm ready now. I am completely ready for this season to in, in like enlighten me, set me on fire, destroy me. But I'm just happy football is back the way it's supposed to be. Having it taken away last year and come back just in a regurgitated version, like this is so much better. Never going to take a season for granted again. I'm not going to get sick of Michigan football. Like I'm, I am there, man. I'm ready. Absolutely, man. All right, let's get into this. Uh, we got actually quite a bit to cover this week because football is back. Uh, let's start with with what we were just discussing there. Did you watch Nebraska Illinois? Of course, you know I watched Nebraska Illinois. I know Illinois. you did. We were texting. <laughs> it's for the it's for the listeners. Oh, I couldn't miss this game. I turned it on. It was six to two, and I was so happy. <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely. I was like, it's six to two. Nothing makes more sense than Nebraska, Illinois opening the season. Can we always open the season like this? It's like, I don't know, getting two drunk 75 year olds tying one arm behind each other's back and watching them just go at it in a back alley. I'm into it. This also sounds like my trip to Warsaw. <laughs> <laughs> the same thing. It's like Artur, Artur Switowski, former uh, Rutgers starter, then yeah. backup, took over for BP after he got hurt, which was really unfortunate to see. And Illinois and Brett Bielema pounded the Cornhuskers like they were a plate of ribs on Memorial Day. (laughs) (laughs) 
it was bad. And yeah, the uh, the injury to BP right off the bat certainly feel for him, especially after like missing most of last year and la- having last year just be kind of a garbage season. I'm sure he was so ready to get out there and compete. But uh, the, the Nebraska defensive line, about the only thing that they had go- going for him, took him out early in that game. And then from that on, it was Captain Meat Sweats in the Illini <laughs> absolutely owning Nebraska and Scott Frost. And it was garbage to watch. Arthur Sitkowski is the definition of average. I mean, this like, dude is, he's not competing on Sundays, and that's an understatement. But like, he's barely, comp- he's barely competing on Fridays. Like. <laughs> but he absolutely torched the Nebraska defense. And that is, uh, that's a sentence that you don't want to hear if you're Scott Frost, that you just got torched by Artur Sitkowski. And what did Frosty say? He said, like, the look they gave us just threw our game plan out the window. Oh, yeah. Like-, like, you want to talk about a quote that might be just written on your headstone saying that they threw out, I mean, you've had all offseason, you knew who your opponent was, you knew it was Illinois. And granted, Bielma's new there, but you've seen what Bielma runs. What Brett Bielma does is nothing like innovative. If it's not like Chip Kelly in 2009 or no, something like that, there's a reason he went Wisconsin, Arkansas. Illinois like <laughs> he has regressed he went, he went laterally now he's gone backwards now you're 100% right that soundbite reminded me of Howard Dean in the 04 Democratic race when he ended the Iowa caucus yeah, yeah! And it was like oh he's done he's done that's that's exactly what Scott Frost did this weekend yeah I was texting you about this during the game and we kind of touched on it in the last pod that if he loses that game, that's probably actually it for him because of their schedule. They still have Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Iowa, and Michigan. And I mean, it is gonna, it does not get any easier for Nebraska. They might be a two-win team. So, and the fan base is already looking for replacements. So Scott Frost, probably the first coach gone. Scott Frost has the weirdest coaching resume I've ever seen. He has one winning season as a head coach ever, and he went 13-0. Like, it makes no sense. It is just baffling to me. And next year, he's probably going to be an offensive analyst at Alabama. Or Ohio State, because that's that's what they do there. More so under Urban Meyer, but I could also see him being at Ohio State and being good again, of course. But I'm very glad we did not hire him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And for the people that are making the comparison, uh, because, you know, it's the prodigal son returning to his alma mater, there is no comparison. I think you uh, you retweeted the best possible comparison for it. With, uh, who was it? Scott Bell or somebody put it, it out said, there? Uh, yeah, it said, uh, go, the Harbaugh hire is like going on deal or no deal and winning $5,000. And the Scott Frost hire is like going on deal or no deal and winning chlamydia. <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt, the best comparison I've ever heard to the Scott Frost era. So, I mean, it's bad, man. It's fourth down and they, they convert it, get first down, and they don't know that, which I don't know how that happens because it was fourth down. So if you were still on the field, that means you converted it or else it's the, like, that is the most rudimentary of football knowledge. So it shows a serious lack of, you know, you can say what you will about the recruiting and how hard it is to recruit in Nebraska. But I mean, he has just like a serious, serious lack of cohesion and um, just coaching prowess. And they're just not coached up well. Yeah, at least they out hit Illinois. I'm sure they <laughs> out hit them. We're never going to let that die. <laughs> I love it. Um, and then on the other side of things, Brett Bielma, the meat sweat man himself, comes back, uh, you know, looking like he's been doing nothing but eating brisket down in Arkansas <laughs> for the last three years. But that's what we love him for. It's kind of now I like that I respect him for it because he was he was sweating first thing. He walks out onto the field dripping sweat. It's like the first quarter, six minutes in. I'm like, I love it. 
<laughs> he really leans into his character well. I just I can't get enough of him. It, it's good for the Big Ten because Brett Bielema is a quality head coach at Illinois, and he'll make that program better. Yeah, he definitely will and might be overqualified for Illinois. I wouldn't be surprised if with a good season he's looking elsewhere and maybe this is just a stopgap for him because he is a quality coach and probably better suited for the Big Ten than the SEC. I think so as well. I never understood why he left Wisconsin because he had that team rolling for for years. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get it either. They're probably not too mad at, at this point. I think that they're pretty happy with where they're at. But yeah, with Illinois, that's just one more team in the Big Ten that might be competent now. Certainly not frightening. I mean, there was nobody on that field that I was like, wow, this guy's going to be a real world beater. It was two very average teams, but nonetheless, <laughs> I loved watching it. It was a lot of fun, man. Felt good to have football back and just the obscurity of it. Like I said, six to two, they're grinding it out. He's sweating. Scott Frost doesn't know what a first down is. It just <laughs> felt right. Back, baby. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, all right, move on. I wanted to talk some uh, some pro blue for a minute if you were up for it. Yes, always. All right, so want to switch gears over to Michigan, but want to go with the pro guys first. The NFL will start right after college football, as of course is tradition. But the early reports out of camp are nothing but positive for the Michigan guys. And uh, the first stat that I wanted to touch on, this comes from Pro Football Focus, which, you know, some people are very into that. Other people don't buy that as much. But the highest graded preseason rookie edge defenders since 2013, in order, Quiddy Pay this year uh, with a 94.2 grade, Chase Winovich in 19 with a 92 grade, and Frank Clark. 2015 with a 91 grade. Now, I don't need to draw the connections here. I think the dots are already connected by our listeners, but we've been saying D-line you, and we've been snubbed by a lot of the major outlets as D-line you. I mean, does this not at least back up the case? Yeah, this bolsters the case and proves that we're not just old men shaking fist at cloud. Like, <laughs> there is reason here, and we're going to get to another player that's massively ascending in his second season. So, yeah, I mean, this is defensive line. You and Quiddy Pay has been better than I ever could have imagined. Yeah, he was a guy, and you weren't down on him necessarily. We just didn't see it at Michigan. Whereas with Rashawn Gary, you could see it coming, and you could see him improving, and you saw the double teams and sometimes triple teams. Whereas with Quiddy Pay, I mean, with last season between injuries and it only being six games and that being his defining season, it was hard to really get a read on him. It's not like any of us were ever super down on pay. It was just you were more buying into the measurables, and those measurables look like they are going to translate. Yeah, he's looked outstanding, and that Colts defense was very sneaky good last season as well, so he's coming into a great place, a great system, good organization, and they're going to need him and his production with that good defense this year if Carson Wentz is going to be your quarterback. Yeah, they might be really trash on offense, so Quiddy Pay is going to get every opportunity to be on that field. And it is a solid defense, a good defensive front, so I expect him to be a big part of what they're doing there. I don't know why, if you're the Colts, you wouldn't go trade for Gardner Minshew and give give a quarterback on that team, put a quarterback on that team, when it only costs a six-round pick. But, yeah, nonetheless, I do expect that defense to be good, and it looks like Quiddy Pay is going to be a player for him. So. I do feel bad he has to go against Jonathan Taylor every day in practice still. <laughs> Rough. Yeah, yeah, still, after a couple of years of Jonathan Taylor gets to see him on the other side again. Again, every day. <laughs> yeah, that would be frustrating. But yeah, so Pay looking really good. Uh, let's go to the guy that you just mentioned there, alluded to, and that's Josh Uche uh, in New England. And you and I are both followers of the Bill Simmons pod, and they're all over this guy. 
they believe that he potentially has double-digit sack potential, um, looking at what they've seen just in the preseason. If he's healthy, him and Winovich are going to be one of the better pass-rushing duos in the league. And if that's the case, I mean, how are we not tuning in every Sunday to Patriots games? Yeah, those two have been complete studs. That defense is going to be immensely better this year with a lot of players that opted out last year returning. Uh, Mike Onwenu was ranked by Brandon Thorne. He's a very big uh, Twitter presence for offensive linemen. I believe he works for The Athletic. Ranked Mike Onwenu as the 10th best guard in all of football. So just three Michigan guys excelling with the Patriots. And now with starting quarterback Mac Jones, I feel like I'm not going to miss many Patriots games this year. I know I'm going to be paying attention and I've, that's been one of my least favorite teams and I still can't bring myself to necessarily root for him, but I mean, come on, Winovich, Uche and Anwenu all starting. I mean, Uche might be more of a pass rush specialist, so he might not be a, like a typical starter per se, but he's going to play a ton of snaps. I love that he's finally getting this because you and I were clamoring before the draft that he's going to be a steal just like Winovich. And it's funny that both of them landed with Bill Belichick. I know. Yeah. I mean, the guy, uh, the guy knows defense. I'll give him that his offensive drafting leaves a little bit to be desired, but on defense, the guy still knows what he's looking for, knows how to get the best out of players. So that's going to be a ton of fun to watch. Next one. I wanted to touch on Chris Evans is balling out for Cincinnati. It was looking like, Oh, maybe this could be a thing. It is a thing in Cincinnati. Chris Evans is a legitimate receiving threat. He's going to get some carries in that backfield. He's going to mix it up with uh, who's their starting running Mixon. back. We haven't seen much of Mixon. Who is it? Joe Mix, Mixon. Uh, Mixon's gone, isn't he? No, uh, Bernard's gone. Bernard's gone, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Mixon will probably be your lead back. Haven't seen much of him in preseason. But Mixon and Evans is like, that's that's pretty saucy. And this dude looks like one of the better receivers out of the backfield, which is both incredible and infuriating. We've been screaming for it for years. And there's all these like plays going around of him making catches he catches like a receiver like we know we know yeah we i mean you want to talk about something we were clamoring for it's put dax hill at corner and use chris evans as a receiver i mean these are things that we've said more times than i care to count on this podcast but at least in cincinnati they got it figured out and we're both big joe burrow guys so i do like that connection yeah, again, like we keep finding these like teams to sneakily root for, and it's like God, I have to root for the Bengals now. This is gonna suck. But you just want to root for guys, you know, we've been passionate about for several years. And Chris Evans, man, what a journey! The kid showed just the ultimate resilience to get where he is. Seriously, yeah. And now he's definitely going to be featured on Sundays, and might be a sneaky good fantasy pickup. I mean, I would not be surprised. I mean, especially receivers that can catch. That's most leagues are gonna yes. value that sort of production. Um, All right, before we go on, got to take a second, talk about our sponsors over at Homefield Apparel out of Indianapolis, the most comfortable and affordable sportswear brand with the best selection that I've ever seen. It's time to switch over to fall clothing. Uh, The time is, is nigh. So I recommend taking a look at their selection of winter gear, fall gear, the hoodies. It's time to make the switch. Hopefully you're a Michigan fan. If you're listening to us, they've got you covered with the new school and the old school. And you can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. All right, other guys I wanted to touch on there. Uh, Ben Bredesen just today was traded to the Giants, will now be joining Jabril Peppers in New York, uh, moving from the Ravens team. Never really took off there, although he didn't really get, I mean, this is only his second season there, full season, uh, since we're not really counting last year. So with the Giants, I think he'll get a better chance there. And, you know, now another team that you got to tune in for, Bredesen and Jabril. 
I can't believe Bredesen gets to enter the Dave Gettleman war zone now. Like <sighs> that is rough though. That is unfortunate. <laughs> Grinding tape with a Wii remote. So God, I, I hope the best for Ben Bredesen, a stalwart at Michigan, a player that you and I went back and were like, Oh, you know, Ben Bredesen was all, oh, he was all American. Oh, okay. Sorry yeah. for the disrespect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were really proven wrong there. We we're like, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. All American. And then it shut us up immediately. And now I have nothing but good things to say about the lad. We were comparing them. To, I forget to whom, but it was like, oh, Kyle. It wasn't Kyle Kalis. But it was like, yeah, Kyle Kalis, uh, Ben Brett. It's like, yeah, Ben, come on, guys. Let's not be No question. Here. Absolutely <laughs> no question. Uh, got a bit of a, uh, a superlative here for you. The most entertaining Michigan uh, pro football watch. Is it going to be Chris Evans on Cincinnati? Is it the triumvirate over there in New England? Is it Devin Funchess and Rashawn Gary and John Runyon over in Green Bay? Uh, or is it somebody that I haven't mentioned yet? Maybe Ruiz at center in, in New Orleans. Is it JD down in Dallas still? Donovan Peoples-Jones in Cleveland. DPJ going to have a That's... big year in Cleveland. What is your must-see? Like, if you only get to tune into one and all those teams are playing, which one are you going to tune into just for Michigan guys? Offense, offense it's DPJ with the Browns because uh, word is he's going to get a lot of run this season, still make impacts on special teams. And defensively, it's got to be Winovich and Uche. Just shades of 2018 all over again. Those two pinning their ears back and getting after it. Um, I respect offensive line play, but I know I'm not really going to tune in for Cesar Ruiz blocking for Jameis Winston. <laughs> It'd so, be tough to – like. I think that even like my friends who understand my obsession might think that's a bridge too far. If I'm like, did you see that block? Keep your eye on the center here. Keep your eye on the center. <laughs> making double teams yeah so for me it's uh, it's the flash it's dpj then the pass rushers in new england man what about you it's special yeah i agree with you but special consideration for chris evans in cincinnati i think that that could be a lot of fun they're not going to be a very good team but that also means that he could be one of the featured guys there so yeah on offense him and dpj uh, nico collins caught his first touchdown for the houston texans the other day and that's a guy that, you know, I've been swearing will be a hit. I stand by that. We just don't know what that dumpster fire of a team is going to look like and who's going to be quarterback. But Collins looks like a player for him to no, no one's surprise. Yeah, Collins will be a stud. And I would pick him if I knew who was going to be throwing him the ball because Tyrod Taylor is now. But um, the guy who lost his job after getting stabbed in the heart last season. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to rely on anything what's coming out of uh, Houston right now, but I really hope the best for Nico. Absolutely. I hope they get a, a reasonable quarterback, a competent quarterback in there so that he can have the career that he deserves and honestly should have with his talent. So, all right, uh, that's a good time. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we've got more to talk about as football is finally here. We'll be back right after this. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. In the second half of this podcast, we are on to Michigan. It is officially game week. I'm finally excited, and I was one of the biggest haters there was, and they've even converted me. I am now banging the table, ready to watch 11 hours of football on Saturday. I can't wait. I said I'm going to Poland to see my girlfriend, and she's never watched American football, so she's gonna she's in for a doozy of a day. <laughs> she's gonna she's gonna learn today you're gonna learn real quick when we're sitting at home watching smu at the early slot and like, what the hell is this <laughs> smu fresno state be like trust me it gets better baby exactly wait till pack 12 after dark 
<laughs> I'm telling you, this week, <laughs> I'm doing 11 hours. I canceled all commitments. I've already got my pizza place picked out that's delivering right around noon. I've got the beer set aside. I mean, the door's going to be locked. The dog can stay upstairs. Like, this is serious. This and like, I haven't been this excited for football coming back. Obviously, the 2016 season um, because of what we thought that team would be. But this feels different because we lost it for a year. And just to have it back, like you said, I'll never take it for granted again. It reminds me of 18 because after 17, it was we were down, and then uh, Shea Patterson's coming to down, and then that first game was rough. It was rough against Notre Dame, but it was the same kind of optimism just coming into it. But this is even more so because of having it stripped away from us. Like even if it's bad, just to have the storylines to talk about and all things be equal again, players enjoying college, not being stripped away from their families. Like it's just, it's it, it's college football. It's what it's supposed to be, and I'm so happy, man. Absolutely. And looking at what Illinois was able to do, and let's remember that's the Illini, they had a pretty packed house there in Illinois. I expect that and more from the Michigan faithful. So to any Michigan uh, people that are considering going to the game, any students, please, if you can go, go do it. Go enjoy it. I mean, be safe, obviously, if you can do it safely. That's very important. And while we're talking about Michigan faithful, met some great Michigan fans the other night. Was supposed to call them out on the podcast last week. Got to call out Mike Sampson from Roseville for uh, listening to the pod. Thank you for tuning in. If you're going to the game, make sure that you're loud because we got to upstage Illinois for the love of God. Yeah, please. Like they 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 play in Champaign, Illinois. Like not not just the raucous audience you'd expect it to be. Like come on. So yeah, we got to set something up, Mike. Love you, buddy. Hope to meet you at the Northern Illinois game. To be honest. <laughs> yeah. God willing. God willing. <laughs> All right. So this week. Uh, great slot of games. Uh, the ones that I've got my on, obviously outside of our game, uh, Penn State, Wisconsin is going to be, I mean, that, that's crazy to have banger, game banger. one. An absolute banger of a conference game like that. That I mean, we play both of these guys, so this is a game that we should absolutely be tuned into. Do you know what time that one is? I'm not, I don't have it in front of me right now, but that's a must watch wherever you are. I, yeah, I, I, think I, mean, it's, I think it's on Saturday, maybe Saturday night. Yeah, it's Saturday. I'm hoping that's the night game, but then you've got Georgia Clemson. I mean, there's just a slate of games on Saturday. Uh, Will be the noon game, so that's great. Don't have to wait around all day for Western Michigan. Uh, The line right now sitting around 17. Uh, You know, it went up like you said it would. I said it might go down, but back then I was still, you know, I was still kind of down in the dumps. I'm coming back to the light now. So I'm all right with this line going up to 17. I think they will cover that. Pound the over, baby. We're covering this line. We're winning by three scores. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we're going to be able to run the ball really well on them. Uh, all right, so this this game, we're not going to go too much into the X's and O's. We already did the breakdown. What do you want to see? Uh, let's start with the defense. What do you want to see on defense that's going to give you confidence for the rest of the year? Deception. That's what I want to see. I want to see deception with the defense, and I think that's, although a vague answer, it ties into the larger point of disguise in the secondary i want to see the rushes and blitzes mixed up from different angles where you can see them coming from something different change actually just knowing that this coaching this coaching change from don brown to mike mcdonald wasn't just you know a go through the motions i got to get rid of this guy i want to see the innovation of this defense everyone's been talking about the deception the disguise the multiplicity of it i want to see that I like that. I will kind of piggyback on that. I want to see pressure and I want to see pressure from different ways. I want to, I want them to prove that they can get after it with not just the same four guys. You know, I want there to be pressure when it's four guys, three guys, when they rush five, 
you know, whether they're bringing safeties up, whatever that may be, the best way to help our secondary this year, which most people would agree is probably the Achilles heel of the team, is to get pressure on the quarterback and make it difficult for the quarterback to stand there and make a good throw. This is a good passing team in Western Michigan. We went through, if there's one thing that they can do, it's move the ball through the air. So I want to see pressure. And, you know, the, the secondary is going to be what it's going to be. But if we're pressuring that quarterback and Aiden Hutchinson looks like what we think he'll look like and maybe somebody else, maybe Ojabo, you know, I need to see somebody else that looks like a really good pass rushing threat. And I'm going to be like, okay, we're going to be able to pressure most of the quarterbacks on the schedule. And the thing with the pressure is it takes a lot of the importance off the secondary. Ease is their burden. Because last season we couldn't generate pressure, so it really left Vincent Gray out on an island. Like Even players like Jordan Lewis would struggle with last year's lack of pressure. Like You, you just couldn't get there, and you can't defend somebody for five to seven seconds every play. Absolutely. Is it going to worry you if they're able to run the ball too? I mean, I don't think they're going to be able to pound the ball on us. But are you going to panic? Not panic, but are you going to worry if, if they're able to go for 100 yards or something like that, 150? Not too much is going to worry me in game one because it's the first game out of the gate with the fans and everything. If they go for like 150 and running the ball, I, there will be concern heading into Washington. I yeah. definitely won't feel as bullish. But it's game one. You know, first half especially, it's going to be a little rough. It's going to be a little up and down. So I'm not expecting too much of that. So, But if they start putting up numbers like getting around 250, 300 pass yards, there will be concern moving forward. Yes, most definitely, because you don't want to get too hyped about the first week either. If we come out and we beat the brakes off of them 35-7, to 7, I'm not going to sit here and say national championship either. It goes both ways. So you don't want to read too much into it, but at the same time, there is things, I mean, just look at what Nebraska put on the field. You know, there's things that you can take away from these games, even though it is the first game and ours is against an inferior opponent. Although, I don't know how bad Nebraska is. They might be really bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, Western might give Nebraska all they can handle, especially in the secondary if they're slinging the pill like they were last year. Absolutely. All right, what about on offense? What do you want to see in this game that gives you confidence for the rest of the season? Running the ball. It's plain and simple. I love the Cade Mac. I love the speed and space. But we're, if we are going to have success this season, it's going to be pounding the ball with our two lead backs. That's, I'm, it's very simple. It sounds very old school, very archaic. But if we can establish the run, everything else will open up and we'll stay that way. I totally agree with you on that one. I want to see that, and I also want to see how the center position holds up. Uh, I think that Zach Zinter going there and having Keegan at one of the guards probably is your highest ceiling offensive line. Sounds like we're going to get Bastardis at center. Not the highest of ceilings, so I want to see how the communication is there on the offensive line. And then, of course, yes, how we're able to run the ball. Are we a bit fickle, both us and fans in general, in the sense that we were like, time to move away from this archaic, run offense and get back to to moving the ball do what they're doing down in the sec and now it, it's just not working and we're like yep ride the horses 100 percent. you go back and watch 2018 and be like we were screaming about how mad we were with this offense just angry and pissed off all the time it's like no that offense was outstanding and our most consistent of any offense and that was the year before josh gaddis got there so i'm gonna give him a fair shake because 19 his first year they did pick up steam 2020 was what it was now is the year to really show what you can do. And he's spoken publicly. Establish the run, pound the ball, let's see it. Once you get that run game going, it's going to open up whatever it is you want to do in the pass game. It's so important to have that. The best room, arguably, on the team is the running back room. I mean, there's a couple other position groups. Pretty much safety or receiver, the only other ones that you could even throw in there for the, the most loaded groups. So 
absolutely, you know, play to your strengths. And that is this great, great running back team. And, um, you know, we all saw, or a lot of people saw based on Twitter, Zach Charbonnet uh, having a great game for uh, UCLA against Hawaii. And I think there was like a little bit of, you know, lamenting that we left, let him go, but guys just, just keep calm. Wait till you see Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum out there. It was Hawaii guys. Like, Come on. It's it's Hawaii. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know they had a football team until we played them a couple of years ago. It was the first time I heard of it. All right. I want to throw you a few superlatives heading into this season as a whole. Like you can like, take these a little bit for this first game, but I want you to think long-term with some of these answers. Okay. Hit me. I can't wait. I love superlatives. All right. First one, the John Runyon Jr. Award for a player who was once a revolving door of awfulness and is now all conference. Ooh, all right. Revolving door of awfulness. Well, I mean, somebody comes to mind would probably be one of the corners, green or gray. Now, green has never been a revolving door of awfulness, so I don't know if he would qualify for the John Runyon Jr. Award for excellence or whatever you <laughs> name it. Um, so maybe Vincent Gray would, would be one of those guys. Uh, Andrew Stuber had a rough year last year. A lot of the offensive line did, and I mean, they were, they were mixed and match. I so have I a great Andrew one Stuber. for offense. I got a good one for you. Okay. All right. Hit me. Eric all. Oh, that's by far the one on offense. You can't be any worse than you were <laughs> last year. That's and the he, one. And he has all the potential in the world to be an all conference type of player. Maybe not first team, but he has all the potential in the world and people are raving about him. And he was John Runyon jr. in 18 against Notre Dame all last season. Just bad. <laughs> That's definitely the answer here. Uh, I'm going to go Eric All on offense and Vincent Gray on defense. On defense, the only other one I'd like to consider would be Mozzie Smith. Yeah, he wasn't necessarily awful. I mean, he was just That's... a true freshman trying to figure it out. Chris Hinton would be another guy that you could throw. I mean, both of them were equally ineffective. The only thing that concerns me is you're not really hearing much about Hinton in the offseason where you are hearing that Mozzie Smith's going to be a player for us. Exactly. All right, next superlative. Hit me. The Mike Hart and Ron Simpkins Workhorse Award. Give me one on <laughs> offense. And if you don't know who Ron Simpkins is, he was a player in the 70s that had 20 tackles against Ohio State, all-time leading tackler at U of M. And give me one player on offense, one player on defense. Who's going to be the workhorse on each side of the ball this season? Hassan Haskins is too easy on offense. That's, yeah. that's too easy. I think they're going to ride him, and he is potentially an 18-carry-a-game kind of guy. Only reason he's not 20 is because you got Corum and Edwards there. Uh, so that would be one. Cade Mack probably would qualify for that. I think Cade McNamara is going to be a war warrior for us. And, uh, I mean, if he stays healthy, which no reason to think he won't, doesn't really have too much of an injury. He did go out last year. He did, but, but la again, last season, let's Last season aside. does not count. There was no offensive line. So give me Haskins on offense. On defense, mm, that is an interesting one. Um, man, I could, see, I could see one of the linebackers, Ross or Hill Green, being that guy, but I think it's going to be Hutchinson. I mean, they named him a captain. He carries the mouthpiece for that. I mean, everything I heard is the dude just lives in the weight room and lives, eats, breathes, sleeps football. I think he's going to be the absolute, like, he carries the lunch pail for that defense. He was my runner-up, just because I think there will be some rotation there because of what he's going to be asked to do this year. I don't know if Dax Hill is going to leave the field. No, I don't think Dax Hill can leave the field. I don't think you can't. Dax Hill is my workhorse award winner for this because I think from corner to safety, maybe even special teams, you're going to see Dax Hill using a myriad of roles this season and will really carry the whole back end of that defense and plays in a position where you can be more every down than Aiden Hutchinson is. 
I like that. The only reason I didn't go Hill and it's just kind of an optics thing. When I hear workhorse, I don't think elite athlete, best athlete on the team. That's but, fair. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. I think he can't leave the field. All right. Next award. The Jake Rudock Award for Excellence from a non-freshman player with low expectations. All right. Um, okay. Um, go ahead on offense. Give me Cornelius Johnson. I think that, um, you know, there was some talk of Dalen Baldwin, but at the end of the day, I think the guys that have been in there uh, for a while and have been able to develop some chemistry, I think that he's a guy that most people would talk about Ronnie Bell when they go to the wideouts, but I think CJ could be the the primary target and Ronnie Bell's maybe your second. Um, and then on defense, plenty of candidates. Uh, Chris Hinton would be a candidate. David Ojabo would be a candidate. Josh Ross would be a candidate. Um, I will go ahead and go with, of those guys, I'd like it to be Ojabo. If it, if it is Ojabo, that's, that means nothing but good things for this team. I just don't think he's there yet. I think he's a bit raw yet. So I think it's going to be somebody, give me Taylor Upshaw. I think it's going to be Taylor Upshaw is a guy that is tailor-made. That was a dumb pun that I didn't mean to do. I think he's going to be perfect for what they're trying to do on this defense, and I think he'll be our second-best defensive lineman, him or Mozzie Smith. I like it. I like it. Uh, very, very high on both of those guys. I'm going to go with Andrew Vastardis at center, and I'm going to go with Josh Ross at linebacker. Because yeah, I, Josh Ross was my second. Yeah, the conversation's been all around Hill Green getting in there, but Josh Ross has been holding down this position. The middle of this defense, a lot to prove. He and Vastardis, both, both very experienced veterans. And the leadership and the communication Harbaugh was talking about at Vastardis at center really kind of bought me into it. Again, doesn't have the highest ceiling, but I think he can be like a consistent 75 every game of the year. And if that helps the continuity in the offensive line, I think he could have a big season for this team. Look, Vastardis being what you expect him to be or what you're voting on him here for would be amazing for this team. If Vastardis hits, I was kind of alluding to it earlier that I don't necessarily see him as the strongest point of that offensive line. And the coaches have basically said it without saying that in the sense that they're trying to get Keegan on the field as well. And they were talking about putting Zinter at center. What that says to me is they think Vastardis is only okay at center. Uh, but if he hits and he outperforms, that means this offensive line is going to be good because they love Zinter, they love Hayes, they love Stuber. So that means you got four of the five that they're really, really feeling good about, and that would be great for us. And then on defense, Josh Ross, uh, I think that this defense is going to be much better for him. He's going to be coming downhill more than he's going to be asked to cover speedy wideouts on crossing routes and things like that. Exactly. I think him coming downhill to stop the run is is more what he's built to do. Playing to his strengths, man, and – Last superlative, <clears throat> the Devin Gardner, Tim Biakabatuka Award for Big Game Excellence. I just need one guy. Who in the big game is just going to ball out? That, gosh, that's a hard one to predict, obviously, because we haven't seen who does what under the lights. Um, I got one if you want me to go first. Yeah, yeah, please do. Give me a second. Ronnie Bell. <clears throat> Ronnie Bell has been answer. through it, has taken so has had volume, has had the ups, the downs, led the team in receiving yards, all the woes. Ronnie Bell is due experience. I think he's going to be a baller when it matters most. Absolutely. And in games last year where we were pretty far out of the game or things were not going well, Michigan State, Wisconsin, he looked like the only guy in offense that was giving it 100% at times. 
And I think that'll carry over. I think that's a fantastic choice. Uh, it's Cade Mack would be the other one that I would consider. I, I think that what you've heard about his leadership is probably going to translate. I mean, you're hearing it from everyone that he's now like vocal and saying, I demand more and he's being that guy and he's taking the reins. So now you just need to see it under the lights. But I think Ronnie Bell, I'm going to go with you. Last question for you. Yes. Michigan beats Ohio State if? Michigan beats Ohio State if their quarterback is not quite ready to be elite. I think that uh, eventually, you know, they have the most absurd like lineup of quarterbacks coming through there that I've seen in a long time. But if he's not ready to come into the big house and that rivalry maybe is a little bit too much for him and our defense can can get after him, I think that's our best bet. I wish I would say it, would, it could say it was something that we could do, but talent-wise, they've got us by such a wide gap. I think it's going to have to be that they're down a little bit and we're up a little bit. If Michigan can establish the run and outrush Ohio State, and if you can have double-digit pressures, beat Ohio State. I like those things. Yeah, I was looking for more of like an existential thing and not an on-the-field thing necessarily, so mine was a little bit of both. But if there is a God, right. we will beat Ohio State. <laughs> Look, we've got a long time to go until then. Let me be happy with, with what we've got coming up. Like, I want to watch Michigan State just destroy Western Michigan by three touchdowns, and that's going to be enough for me. It's... I can't wait, man. It's it's uh, all right. Well, I got one one last one for you. What are you absolutely confident is going to happen on Saturday? Something that you're like, look, I don't know about this, 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 or this, but I am for sure this is going down on Saturday. We are going to rush for over 200 yards. Love it. <laughs> uh, Aiden Hutchinson is going to have a sack, maybe more than a sack, sack and a half to two sacks. Aiden Hutchinson's a sack and a half kind of guy. Sack and a half kind of guy. I could see it. Uh, I also, uh, this is something that I just noticed watching some old Sean Clifford highlights. <laughs> Not highlights. I was, there are no highlights. It was Michigan Penn State. Yeah. What are those? Uh, I was watching this. This is an early call. Dax Hill picks off Sean Clifford in Happy Valley. I just book it. Book it now. God, dude, it's here, man. We all this talk. We're done talking. We're done talking just like the team. Brother, this was fun. I'm so happy that we're actually talking football. I'll either be solo or maybe I'll pick up one of the other Maze and Brew guys for next week. You go enjoy. You're up, my friend. You're, uh, you're a true pioneer. I can't wait to be there, man. I can't wait to be back with you. And then the week I get back, I'll be seeing you at the Michigan-Northern Illinois game. It's glorious. Expect to return to about 150 text messages about Jamon Green. <laughs> Hopefully about his excellence. It, yeah, about his excellence. Exactly that. <laughs> All right, brother. That's going to do it for us here on Out of the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple Music, Spotify, wherever. You can follow us on Twitter, at Maze and Brew. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, especially in game week, go blue. <laughs> <laughs>